four minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Le 
turn to Israel and are like dreamers. All the leaders of the world are trying to understand how, while our people flood back in from all the nations, and after centuries of tears, we see you, Hashem, in everything and await your warm embrace of full redemption. <laughs> 
חזק, עם של קדושה, יש אמונה, גם יש תקווה, והדרך עוד היא ארוכה. שבעים שנה על הארץ הקטנה ושבו הבנים אל אבותם. אין חורבן לגאולה, אלפי שנים תפילה גדולה ובעין יש דימה של לחמה
J.M. in the A.M. We did that one last week and uh, really pulled it out of the archives. Figured we'd toss it on one more time. Shwebel Sharf and Levine Mayadidus here on an Erev Shabbos broadcast at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, Yisrael Bill Vavot, I am dedicating that, of course, to the chairman of the Jewish Unity Initiative, Mr. Simon Jacob, who I was privileged to see yesterday. It was great seeing him. Ooh. Yeah, I could say he's in the United States. He, he he let everybody know on Facebook that he's in the United States. Uh, so he's visiting here for a few days, and it was wonderful to see him. Uh, Yisrael Bilvavot from uh, our friends at FDD Productions with Itzik Dadja and, of course, Ohad. Yehuda Green, I'm Mikadashe. Yankee Lemmer had Mimkomcha by request. Shane is done by Shimi Engel. The Moshav band had Bowie Vishalom. Lachadodi, that was Derek Achim. And, of course, Regesh. Modaani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. It's January the 11th, the 5th of Shvat, Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow, candlelighting 428 in New York. We are announcing 428 in New York. I actually wanted to check to see um, what time sunset actually is today. Um, It's cold up here. My gosh, is it cold up here in the New York area. I'm saying up here because I just was reading online a message from our friends down in atlanta georgia uh it is cold up here 24 degrees 57 percent humidity winds in northwest at 10 miles an hour sunny with a high of 33 but it really feels frigid with the wind right now so if you're in the new york new jersey area bundle up like crazy this morning mostly clear tonight low 22 tomorrow cloudy skies and a high of 33 you at 54 and i've gotten some photos of people visiting you this morning or i guess more accurately this afternoon so hello to everybody tuned in in jerusalem um, we're at 24, <coughs> excuse me, we're at 24 here in New York. As we say good morning at the JM and the AM. It's Friday, Malcolm Holmline scheduled to join us. Weekly update just about an hour from now. We'll analyze the events of the week, talk about the news items of the week. Rabbi Yudin, of course, coming up in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. And the plenty more. I want to thank those who are uh, commenting on the app. Our rabbi down in Atlanta says it's even colder today in Atlanta than yesterday. On the way to teach Torah at AJA, have a good Shabbos. The 30 that he writes, I assume, means it's 30 degrees down there. Uh, and our best everybody in Atlanta. We do have a major, ma- we have a couple of major announcements coming. Um, one or more of them has to do with the city of Atlanta. I mentioned to my staff yesterday that I'd love to make the announcement this coming Monday. Uh, we'll see if that's possible. We may actually get the information out already this coming Monday. And uh, that would be cool. I think it's going to create a lot of excitement in really a lot of communities, not just Atlanta, but a lot of communities. So be patient, everybody. You know how it is with us on the announcements. Sometimes it takes a minute (laughs) or more to get to them. But um, when we do, I think you'll find it very exciting. More coming up. Yaakov Shweki is next. You're listening to JM in the AM. שחיים כל כך קשים מה יהיה עוד יום עוד שנה אבל אני מחייך לא דואג להמשך כי יש לי יש לי אמונה לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים מה יהיה עוד יום עוד שנה אבל אני מחייך לא דואג להמשך 
I find out that my Parsha is by Yakil and Kudai. I don't know if I can ever hope to lay me right. Because I told my wife and kids I'll be Messiah, God is a shock. Oh, I know that in the future it can get real tough. But every single block in Mara is important enough. Keep in mind the words our sages teach. No, it's not our job to finish, but we must attempt. And even when it feels impossible, we're still not exempt. Ich 
J.M. in the A.M. Eitan Freilich with that one, right? Yeah. Oh, Galaitzal in the background. Our news from Israel coming up. Eitan Freilich with Eretz Yisrael. Lo Alecha done by Baruch Levine. That's brand new off the album Pedusha. It was good speaking with Baruch Levine earlier in the week. Uh, Eli Marcus had Yishtabach. Yaakov Shweki had Yishtabach. Yaakov Shweki had Ma'amin. And Shwebel Sharf and Levine had Mayadidus. Candlelighting at 428 here in the New York area. It's Friday morning, Erev of Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We will speak with him. 740 Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM. We call it the weekly update, and there's a lot to talk about, as you would suspect. So we'll do that coming up here at JM in the AM. And um, that, 
שלא לעסוק בעולם הרוח, כי זו מהותה, המהות שהיא מעבר לקיום, מעבר להישגיות ולרווחים הרבים. גאון ברדיו, היום בשלוש, גלי צה"ל. אינטרסטינג, at 3 o'clock, oh, I shouldn't say this, I don't want it going up against me, but Yoram Gaon does an Arab Shabbos show in Israel at 3 p.m.? That's interesting. גלי צה"ל in the background, גלי צה"ל, Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday era of Shabbos follows next. We say Boker Toe from Jam Nam. כדי למנוע שפיכות דמים היום בגבול הרצועה. הקצין הבכיר נחת אתמול בישראל, נפגש עם בכירים והמשיך לרצועה. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי מוסר שהמאמץ המצרי נועד לפקח על האלימות בגבול בעידוד חמאס, לאחר שישראל הקפיאה את מזוודות הדולרים מקטר לרצועה. ובתוך כך פעילים של מסתר הדר ומשפחת גולדין נפגינו ברמלה נגד המשך העברת הכספים. כשביבי ירצה, הבנים יחזרו, אמר הפרופסור שמחה גולדין, אביו של הדר, שגופתו מוחזקת בידי חמאס. כל מה שנכנס לעזה חייב להיות מותנה בהחזרת הבנים. אסור ששום דולר קטרי יועבר לפני השבתם, כך גולדין לפני שעה קלה. חשד לי תאונת פגע וברח, רוכב אופנוע נפצע קשה מפגיעת רכב סמוך למחלף לקיה. כתבנו בדרום רמי שנים אוסר שנהג הרכב הפוגע נמלט מהמקום, הפצוע פונה לקבלת טיפול רפואי. החשוד המרכזי ברצח האיש הערבי לא הובא היום לדיון בערר על הארכת מעצרו בעקבות סירוב השב"כ והמשטרה. כתבנו יאיר אורבייטו מוסר שהדיון נדחה ליום ראשון. אביו של הנער היחיד מבין ארבעת החשודים שעדיין מוחזק במעצר, אמר בבית המשפט, השב"כ הורג את הבן שלי, לא ניכנע לאכזריות הזו. מזג האוויר נעים, עלייה בטמפרטורות בראשון ובשני כבר גשום בחזרה. ולסיום, המלך ואני, פועל ניקיון ירדני שצולם כשהוא עומד מחוץ לבית קפה ברבת עמון וצופה במשחק של נבחרת ירדן זכה לכבוד מיוחד. המלך עבדאללה השני ראה את תמונת הפועל הפשוט והזמין אותו לצפות עמו במשחק השני של הנבחרת בסלון הארמון ביחד עם בנו ויורש העצר. לשכת העיתונות בארמון הפיצה את התמונה המשותפת ומאותו הרגע הפך הפועל לעובד הניקיון הידוע בממלכה. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת פרשת בו, בירושלים ב-4 ו-19 דקות, בתל אביב כניסת השבת ב-4 33 דקות, בחיפה ב-4 22 דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-4 ו-37 דקות. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בערב, בירושלים 5.34, בתל אביב 5.36. בחיפה 5.23 ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר בערב ב-5.38 דקות. שבת שלום לכולם, אלה החדשות.
JM in the AM. Listener Terry asked for the Asia Schile by Akov Shweki. I think she meant this one. Happy sixth anniversary to Yisrael and Shuli. Shabbat shalom to all, she says, and reminds us to stay warm. Believe me, we need that message. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Boy, do we need that message. It is freezing out here. Uh, let's see, 12 degrees Fahrenheit in Liberty, New York, according to Trucker Yitz. He also says we can't complain because the people of Montreal have a minus 16 wind chill. All right, I get that. Believe me, I get that. Bakery guy says, thank God it's Friday. A good Shabbos. Thanks, bakery guy. So this listener says, I see 431 in the Shul calendar. What's with 428? I know. I know. It really is 431 because I think Shkia, I think Sunset is at um, at 449. So it really is 431. But we have a calendar that adds a couple of minutes on the early side. And I always think in a public forum, it's better to do the early side than than the regular side. That's how I've always felt all these years. So officially, we're going with the calendar in front of me, which is 428. But yes, that is 20 minutes or more before Shkia, but we will still go with 428 in the New York area. Today is Moshe Yes's yard side, one of our listeners points out. We mentioned that yesterday. We actually played a uh, Yes Legacy throwback Thursday yesterday when we heard that it was his yard site this week. And... Um, We'll do a Moshe Yes selection next. And by the way, we have a message from Silver Spring, Maryland. From Maryland, Mom, play something warm. It's freezing here. Yeah, it seems to be the trend. You know how it is when it becomes that very first freezing day of the season, no matter when it is, November, December, January. Everyone has trouble adjusting to it. I'm having trouble adjusting to it this morning. Mazel tov to Guy and Devora, loyal JMDM listeners. The Sabans from Yad Binyamin and the Bar Mitzvah of the Bukhar Yona this Shabbos. Thank you, guys. Mazel tov to extended Saban and Sundorfi families. We say mazal tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Enjoy the bar mitzvah. Mazal tov to Yona. And thank you so much for listening to JM and the AM. We mentioned Moshe Yes, a blessed memory. Here he is at JM and the AM.
if I seem a little distant with a twinkle in my eye, there's a very special reason you will find. Today is only Tuesday, and the kids learn olive base. And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind. Yes, I walk against the many as they're groping in the night. And I've tried to share the Torah in a rhyme. And the boys are now bar mitzvah, and Wednesday night is here. And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind. And Thursday sees a chuppah, and the weather is getting cold. And the Torah scroll is turning, and we are growing old. And the jokers and the scoffers, they're running out of time. And you know that I got Shabbos. Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind. It's a Friday morning sunrise, no time to mess around. I'm the old man who dovin' right on time. And your prayers get more sincere as old friends pass away. And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind. And there is no deception, cause he knows just who you are. A hunger to be holy while feeling very far. And the jokers and the scoffers, they're running out of time. And you know that I got Shabbos. Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind. It's a Friday evening sunset. No time to mess around. I'm the old man who dovin' right on time. And your prayers get more sincere when old friends pass away. And you know that I got Shabbos. Yeah, you know I got Shabbos. You know I got Shabbos on my mind. Als Tatemame in die junge Joden seinen Hossen und Kalle geworden, seinen sie herein zum Reben, sein Broch ist zu nehmen. Und Otte die Broche hat der Rebbe sie gegeben. Mach lichtig und warte mal um sich, um sich lichtig und warte. Wird der Rebbe still bei euch machen lichtig, lichtig und warte bei euch. Mach lichtig und warte mal um sich. Arum sich lichtig und warm, der Rebbe selber war ja machen lichtig, lichtig und warm war ja.
J.M. in the A.M. with Shim Kramer. Beautiful Aisha Schyle from his album entitled Forever More here at J.M. in the A.M. Yoni Z had me adir lichtig and varam. was Benny Friedman. As we mentioned, Moshe Yes, as we remember him on his yard site, uh, you heard the instrumental he did to Lachad Odi, and then, of course, his Shabbos On My Mind title track from that album here at J.M. in the A.M. By the way, Matis has announced, <laughs> I'm so glad he's having him on because... Uh, Sounds like such a good guest. Uh, Matis has announced that uh, this coming Sunday on JM Sunday, which Matis has done live starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time every Sunday for the last, gosh, I couldn't even begin to guess, probably five years. Uh, Nisanel Epstein is his guest, the tallest man, the tallest man. He checks, repairs, replaces, orders, talasim. He's familiar with every tallest minig. <laughs> <laughs> and Matis says he'll discuss with him what makes his work different. So the Talisman 
is going to, and yeah, that's a website, talisman.com, is going to be Matz's guest this coming Sunday morning. Jam Nam Friday, it's cold with 24 degrees, sunshine, a high of 33. Here in New York, candle lighting at 428. Make sure you know when candle lighting is where you are. I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com. They are uh, accessible to everybody with thousands of articles you can print out before Shabbos. With news from around the Jewish world, take advantage, jewishworldview.com. Also, I wanted to mention that uh, a lot of the issues that we are discussing, especially the issues that are very hot uh, in Israel, not necessarily uh, reported or uh, obsessed about here, but that are reported and obsessed about in Israel. Oh, I apologize, Matis. It's already the seventh season of JM Sunday. Wow. Sorry, Matanyahu. I really am sorry. Time flies and you don't know where it goes. Um... I apologize. Consecutive Sundays for seven years. Anyway, <laughs> so much of um, what is being discussed and obsessed and being obsessed over in Israel in the uh, in the news six thousand miles away is discussed by Mayor Weingarten every single Monday morning right after JM and AM during the Israel show. So if you want to hear uh, not only some of the things that we discuss during the weekly update and obviously when we do our news from Israel every single day, but if you want to hear what people are going nuts about. Um, then make sure to tune in to Mayor with the Israel Show between 9 and 10 a.m. Eastern Time right after JM and AM every single Monday morning, including this coming Monday. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. And I do remind everybody as I um, introduce Malcolm that he will be uh, spending, and you have an opportunity to spend Pesach in Puerto Vallarta. There's a website, PesachInVallarta.com, and there's a phone number, 786-290-5919. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be in here with you from a foreign country. I'm traveling. I'm in New Jersey. Wow! <laughs> you crossed the Hudson <laughs> River. They gave me a visa. But for my the bar mitzvah of my grandson Benjamin Bach, nice. Be the Shabbos and Mazel Tov, uh, mazel tov to all the, the family, and we shall only have all of us only Simachot. Well, as you know, it's always extra special when you know both families uh, in a simcha, and in this case, of course, I do. So I say to everybody, the extended family, Mazel Tov, and you have some amazing uh, grandchildren. I'm sure this is one of them. So absolutely, Mazel Tov to you. Um, I would assume that among all the people you've met, and in your career you've met many and have dealt uh, on a regular basis with many, I would bet Moshe Ahrens was one of the most interesting and one of the most dignified that you came across. You know, it, it's interesting that I think his, his passing uh, evoked uh, wonderful responses, but, but too minimal for the real role that he played in Israel. He was three times defense minister. He was foreign minister. He was one of the most successful ambassadors to the United States. And uh, I'll tell you some inside baseball that um, when he was ambassador, I was working at the uh, JCR. I was director of the JCRC in New York and had a very close relationship with him. And he had a deputy whose name was Benjamin Netanyahu. You may have heard of him. And uh, he was really a mentor for Netanyahu for for a long time. And then later, the relationship became more strained. Uh, He was the most consistent and integrous person I've ever met. He, uh, up to last year, 
exactly one year ago, he spoke at the President's Conference Annual Mission in Israel. He was 91 years old. He looked as trim and as young as he did 20 years ago, and he died quietly in his sleep. He had been sick, but he was still vigorous and, as I said, came to Jerusalem from his home in, in near Tel Aviv and, and spoke and uh, was really remarkable. And he, when he was ambassador, now we're talking about early 80s, he, uh, and they were, re, they were building the new embassy, he designed the third floor to be a Hasbara center, huh. anticipating all that we have seen over these years, over the intervening 35 years. He uh, planned that it would be a technologically advanced. He said, if we're going to deal with Hasbara properly, we have to have the right tools, we have to have the right facilities. And uh, frankly, we raised several million dollars for it from private individuals so that it wasn't a burden on the government. And at the last minute, the foreign ministry made him turn back the money and kill the project. And think what would have happened had they done it then and what capacity they would have by now. And uh, another recollection was when he, you know, he was the father of the La Vie fighter plane, which was stopped because of American intervention and opposition. And he asked me to come to see it. And I, I went to the Air Force Base, and my parents happened to be there, and they came. And you can't imagine what this plane was like, and it, it literally flew into your heart. And I stood on the runway with him, and the, the plane went through maneuvers and then landed right in front of us. And it, it till today, I think that many people could legitimately argue that it was a mistake, that Israel would have been more independent, that it, as it advanced in every other technological area, it would have made even more progress in this area. Uh, and we see that sometimes, you know, sales like the one to Croatia are blocked by the United States. Uh, Israel selling some, I think, rehabilitated uh, 35-year-old F-16s, or uh, and the independence United uh, uh, as close as the relationship is and as beneficial and supportive the United States has been, I think that it, it, it was a shame that they could not proceed with the development. And, and the argument, of course, was that it was too expensive and, and et cetera. So because the U.S., just to to make sure I understand, it's just that because the U.S. is always looking over Israel's shoulder when it comes to expenditures for defense, et cetera, because of the because of what the U.S. holds over Israel when it comes to military and, and foreign aid, right? Is that what you mean? And because the domestic industry often resents, you know, Israel getting contracts, Israel getting, you know, yeah. becoming too independent. Yet, yet another argument for Israel's true independence when it comes to financial assistance. Yeah, well, I think that uh, uh, one can't really complain that over the years the United States has been right. so generous. And, you know, the bill that they're talking about all the time, the new bill in front of Congress is right. the one that would give the 10-year, $3.8 billion a year. And you heard the president talk about an even larger number, because when you take into account so much of the other things that Israel and the United States share, the United States prepositions a billion dollars in equipment in the Negev, for its purpose and use, but in in a case of a war, Israel would be able to draw down some of it. You know, as somebody who who grew up during the era, it it and who loves observing this stuff, it, it looked like Aaron's loved government, but but hated the politics. Would that be absolutely an, right? That's it, right? 
He understood and the because import- of his own integrity. He did not succumb. He's not somebody. And I think that was part what led to the alienation with him and Netanyahu that he felt Bibi, who is a master politician, uh, he did not like any compromises on what he thought were basic principles and. Uh, he, he was not cut out to be a politician. He was a professor of aeronautical engineering, I think, when he went into government. Last time I saw him was Shabbat Chaye Sarah in Hebron. So I guess he had no problem going wherever he wanted to go. <laughs> right? No, he did not. And, uh, and he continued, as I said, into his 90s. Yeah, amazing. Uh, which was amazing. We remember Moshe Ahrens for, uh, fondly. Uh, so one of the things that... Um, uh, that we didn't discuss last week was the Shin Bet arrest of the five youths, the five teenagers in this uh, um, in this incident where somebody, possibly them, uh, were involved in the killing of the uh, uh, Arab woman on the roads. It seems the Shin Bet has released four of the five at this point. Uh, and the, the question is, and apparently this is uh, one of the hot topics in Israel, is whether the Shin Bet is going overboard in terms of their interrogation tactics, especially when it comes... Uh, to Israelis as opposed to those who are often cons- often brought in uh, under the assumption that they are the enemy and I and you know I'm trying to be as politically correct as possible as I say that um what could you tell us about this whole episode and in fact whether the Shin Bet is getting this reputation for dealing with Israelis too harshly well I don't know enough about the case because we don't you know a lot of the details are uh, about the charges are, are secret as you said uh, many will go, but it doesn't mean that they're not still suspect, and they are still arresting people. More people have been uh, interviewed and interrogated about the case, and there is that accusation that that um, the Shimbet has been under a lot of uh, pressure, external pressure about uh, you know these cases that the appearance that uh, um, when it's a Jew is involved in some sort of incident of this kind or attack of this kind that they are not pursued in the same with the same vigor, uh, and I think that uh, you know sometimes they make an example out of a case, and at the same time when somebody's killed they should be pursuing it right. and uh, doing it uh, to the full extent of the law. Nobody argues against that, but there is a lot of resentment and and people have come to testify or allies others about the. Uh, both about the individuals and about the case, so I think we have to let it uh, play out. But the um, you know this is not the first time that we've heard these kind of charges here in this country. We, we always think that government officials and the media, frankly, are, are are sort of like the checks and balances for interrogation techniques. Is it is it sort of the same in Israel, or they get a much freer hand, the Shin Bet, uh, than what we know of, and you know, in terms of how things work here. Well, I don't know how much we really know about how things work anywhere when it comes to what uh, you know security services sometimes do and can get away with, right. and um, you know use whatever method. Uh, would anybody have argued that uh, they shouldn't use clandestine methods to go after El Chapo or to go after others here in the United States? And sometimes we we feel though that the uh, um, Charges against certain individuals do not live up to the to the seriousness of the crime that uh, is perpetrated. And when you have a Jewish terrorists, it makes a lot of noise, a lot of uh, news. The accusation of mm-hmm. quote Jewish terrorists. I mean, right. and, but you see how the newspapers play it up and how because it is rare. Yeah, and also unfortunately the, the, the other side. 
right? No, I, I, I totally get that. But the age of the suspects also, you know, plays into it. They, of know, course, right, exactly. People, right. people would rather hear uh, that they, you know, are, are not being treated possibly the same way an adult may be treated. Prime Minister Netanyahu goes on TV, tells us that it's going to be a dramatic speech. Tell me about with the election coming up. Tell me about the timing and the content of the prime minister's uh, speech this week. Well, the content was was clear. It was uh, to counter some of the charges that had been made and talking about the fact that he wants to confront those who, who are accusing him. So, you know, there are numerous cases, and the attorney general uh, who he appointed and who is a very wonderful man of great integrity, um, um, he uh, indicated that he may bring an indictment or, or charges against the prime minister before the election. Netanyahu has argued that he can't do it during the election period, that it has to be after an election. I, I have a sneaking suspicion, and I have no proof of this, that he intended this to be something else. I think that there was a different kind of statement, because this doesn't rise to the kind of dramatic oh. statement that he had announced. Oh, very good. And, and I think, because he was meeting with lawyers up until the time of the press conference, that they may have intended something else. There were reports that he was going to go to the Supreme Court against the Attorney General. Uh, there were other things that would have made more sense in terms of being an, a dramatic, those are the words they used, announcement, um, than this seemed to fizzle. And I think it hurt him politically, even if overall people may be more sympathetic listening to him and, and seeing him, and he's always very effective as a communicator and and in getting his message across, but that the you know the hype gave his uh, opponents a chance to to try and uh, you know take some swipes at him. And while the election process is is underway very early on, and the Likud primary is just a couple weeks away, and we already see real changes taking place with key figures not appearing or moving from party to party. Gallant now going to Likud and. Uh, uh, the split between Gabay and uh, Tsipi Livni, and uh, the negative reaction amongst the Labour Party that his uh, their convention, even though Gabay uh, was victorious there, or got his way, but the the um, uh, this week uh, uh, Yair Lapid finally spoke out. We've heard very little from Kulan. We've heard from uh, a little from others. Uh, and of course, the phenomenon of the moment is Benny Gantz. But I right. remind people that they, <laughs> these things often happen. That anybody who comes out fresh out of the box in a new announcement uh, gets gets coverage. He the, and there was misunderstanding, including I didn't read it right initially, that it said that he was three points behind Netanyahu. That was on a competence uh, measure in actual seats. Likud is still around thirty, and he's polling less than fifteen. But he's the second largest party. The question is, will they be able to align themselves with others? Will Yalom or uh, Gantz link up with one of the existing parties? Uh, will they form a coalition that would really be able to challenge Likud? Um, because uh, you know that goes to the president and whoever can show that they have uh, the best promise of putting together a coalition, even if it's not the most votes. And you remember when. Labor actually got more seats, but Likud was the one who put together the coalition, got yeah. the nod to do it, etc. So the, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of shifting uh, amongst the people. There's 
I think the general assumption right now is that Netanyahu wins again, and uh, he's a very effective politician. Uh, but his ranks change, and, and we'll have to see whether others. The fact that Carolyn Glick, I think, uh, made news joining the far right party, the, the new right party of uh, Bennett and uh, Shaked, and the, the demise of the, the Mizrahi of what was the traditional Mizrahi party, uh, Mizrahi not Oriental but the religious Zionist party. Right. Uh, we'll have to see if they can resurrect, their, so to speak, their, their vote. It's it's a, a very fluid and dynamic situation. But I remind people that n- n- everything changes from one week to the other. And who, uh, people who are up, once they get under the scrutiny, once they have to pass tests, we don't know what policies Gonstead represents, et cetera. So you have to hear him and see if he can convince people that he's ready to lead. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Um, why, why is the Anglo presence on the Israeli political scene becoming such an issue, or does it become an issue every election cycle? It becomes a, a, an issue every time. I don't think that the the real percentages have changed dramatically, so uh, you know of candidates and stuff. So I, I don't believe that it's uh, and, and and they don't still represent a, a vastly different percentage of the vote. So I, I think it just becomes a matter of hype for 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 a while and then goes back. And the Israelis, I guess, res- the same way they so the the same way some Israeli journalists are writing about how much they resent. Anglo's entering the the political fray. I'm assuming they did the same thing when the Russians did, and when m- members of other uh, foreign groups did. They right? just not need things to write about. Why, why right. shouldn't Anglo's <laughs> be the same as everybody else? Or if you have a big immigration of French people, why shouldn't they be more represented? Do you see that a Muslim woman is on the Likud in the in the Likud primaries? A really remarkable woman, Dimataya, taking who, some heat for that, huh? Uh, taking a lot of heat, but she said there's no other country in the Middle East that respects its citizens and gives them as much unbelievable. And she says it like that. A democracy for all, and she came on an Israeli delegation, anti-BDS delegation to the U.S. and and said, you know, that Israel was a democracy, not an apartheid state, and you can be sure, you know, she's getting threats and et cetera, but uh, uh, courageous, and the fact she's running in the liquid primary. I mean, this is the kind of news that nobody in America gets to read because the press doesn't care, uh, you know, because it, it goes against their uh, their traditional view and, and uh, the message they're trying to communicate. When a Jordanian minister and when the Jordanian trade unions put Israeli flags at the door for people to step on as they enter buildings, that doesn't get any uh, any coverage. And, you, and when you the hostile acts that are, are done against Israel uh, hardly get noticed. But if in Israel, the most minor thing, and it's because, you know, it's an open society. People, reporters can report whatever they want. They, they're, they're free. They don't have to worry about consequences generally for, um, you know, telling the dark side of the story. Danny Danone, who was supposed to leave the U.N. to go to Likud, is now back at the U.N.? He is staying at the U.N. He's announced that he's not going to run in the primaries. And... Um, 
uh, and will stay at the UN to continue the battle where we see that it need it needs to be fought. The Palestinians seem to have withdrawn the uh, proposal or their action to get recognition as a state in the General Assembly and in the Security Council, although one never knows that they won't try to push it. But Abbas is coming with a delegation because he's going to chair the meeting of the G77. And I know people may glaze over about all this, but it is significant and it could have consequences. When is that? Is that in February? When is that? No, now, now. Oh, coming up soon. Okay. Yeah, February. I'm sorry. Yes, I forgot. I think February is far away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it gives him a platform and he said that he's going to divert their focus, and I hope the members will, will reject this, but to divert the focus from uh, their job, which is developmental uh, focus in you know, economic development, and this is supposed to be you know, the uh, countries that are not uh, economically sound, and et cetera, and the uh, developing countries, as they're called. And he wants to use it for his political campaign. There's still evidence that they're going to international criminal court, uh, and so he, he he is still scheduled to come. We'll have to see in the end if he does. Um, he's not going to get to see President Trump, and I don't think he will want to. Um, but now, especially after Bolton's visit, they, they were even more angry or continue to be angry, only to their own detriment. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, when it comes to the theory or the idea that there was Russian interference in the American election, so we, we we can conjecture if that happened, who the Russians might have wanted to become president. Now there are accusations that Russians are interfering in the Israeli election. Is it as easy to judge who they might want to be prime minister of Israel? No, there's no indication yet that about who any of the proposed interlopers will be uh, will be favoring, uh, and they may just do it for practice, but. But Israel's well aware of it, and the uh, you know the cyber security forces are are working. There is one. There's a new tactic that somebody is using because it's happened to me now three times. Is that when talking to somebody in Israel, they it, it starts it records the first twenty or thirty seconds, let's say, of the conversation and keeps repeating it and repeating it, even though the person is talking to you, you don't hear it. You just hear the same thing over and over again. And the first time it happened to me, very honestly, I called the friend of the person I was talking to, and I said, I think you should go and see him because I think he's having a breakdown or something because he keeps repeating the same thing over and over again. And and the fact is that it's a hack. And so people who have this experience understand that this is, uh, is happening more frequently. It's very disconcerting because when somebody keeps saying the same thing over and over, you say, yeah, but you just said that. Right. And, but they don't hear it because it's not... Not, they don't hear that part of the conversation and, where and it that, actually disconnects your call. And that tactic would result in what? That tactic is, is simply a... That's a harassment tactic more uh, than anything else. But no, but it, it shows the ability and goes right, to your question about right. how how can they influence. You know, you, you can put out false messages. You can try to affect polls. You can affect other things. But Israelis are very aware of it. And I don't see really where that kind of intervention, especially because of the multiplicity of parties, uh, would make that big a difference, unless you can say that because a few points can make the difference in which parties make the threshold. You know, there is a 3.25, I think, percent that you have to get in order to be uh, listed. And many key parties, including uh, Lieberman's party, let's say, may not make the cut. 
So there, perhaps you can argue that they might try to influence it, but frankly, I, I don't see that it, it, it really works that well. Lieberman may not make the threshold? Yes, sir. Wow. Well, That's... don't forget you have so many parties. I mean, right. will Yalom make the 3.25? It, it sounds like very little, but in fact, it means you have to get a pretty significant vote. Yeah. Well, they'll let us know soon, I guess, what the number is. No. No, well, won't know till the election. Right, but don't they have estimates based on you know prior election turnout and things oh, like that? Well, they they do uh, a lot of polling, but you know Israelis are well known to tell the truth to pollsters and then lie at the polls. Right, so they could even so say they're voting. Never predict. Right. Their, the, and, 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 right. and to your point, they, they, to your point, they could say they're voting and really not even not even vote if they wanted to go in that direction. Not, not vote and certainly not vote. Right. For whom the they want. They right. But, you know, in the United States, too, we see how polls can be distorted because people know that this may not be the politically correct answer to say who you're voting for or the person they really intend to vote for. So it can be come out distorted as well. So former cabinet minister Gonen Segev did uh, admit he spied for Iran, huh? He did, but he, he claims he didn't give uh, classified information, but he gave general information, um, tried to, I guess, imply that it was going to be a dual spy, but... It's really embarrassing for Israel. It's embarrassing that a former minister, uh, and certainly him, uh, that he engaged in any way in these activities. Hey, what are the members of the Democratic Party who care about Israel going to do with uh, Rashida Tlaib, or do they not care, frankly? Oh, no, they care very much. And I spoke to a lot of this week and uh, to several this week, and the, they care a lot. Uh, I think the, the, the question that they face is, do you do her more good by continuing to publicize her and, and make her get, get her more name recognition? Remember, people don't know who she is. She came, and, and many of those who are on the extreme won by fluke elections when you really study them. As one expert briefed me this week and showed me how uh, a minority of minority elected some of them or because of a proliferation of candidates, a whole variety of of uh, different considerations. Right. But they still uh, hold the title. It. But I think it's very important that we call, in this case, her activities for what they are. And it's blatant anti-Semitism. It's bigotry when she makes the appeal to, to dual loyalty because she opposed the, you know, this bill that I mentioned. It's a, it's a composite bill that deals with uh, uh, sanctions against Syria, support for Jordan, the 10-year package for Israel aid, and the BDS legislation, which really seeks to protect states that passed the anti-BDS legislation. Right. And she said that this was dual loyalty and that they should go and study the Constitution and that they forgot what country they represented. This is somebody who stood there with somebody wrapped <laughs> in an Israel-Palestinian flag. Right, exactly. keeps telling that that's going to be her agenda, that she is promoting... Uh, uh, the, the a singular agenda, and had anybody made that kind of a comment, a racist, bigoted, or anti-Semitic comment, uh, under I think other circumstances, this would have been uh, just as simply condemned. And uh, I hope that the leadership of the Democratic Party will uh, act with uh, greater force. I think that right now that is a consideration, and it's a, it is a, a tactical decision about whether you go all out after them or do you try to just bury them in the you know and let them just keep uh, talking because they alienate more and more people in the process. I'm not sure that that is legitimate. I think in this case, with this kind of comment, you you have to go all out, and we have to isolate them in Congress. 
I think the new Congress is more favorable towards Israel than the old Congress. Wow. But you have, yes, uh, overall, but you have in there this cancerous uh, group. And if you let a cancer go, it metastasizes, so it has to be isolated. They, they formed a, a sort of alliance amongst themselves or some sort of coalescence. shouldn't say alliance because I don't know how far it'll go. I think ultimately it won't last, uh, although they're not at all all the same and sharing the extremist views. Of, but she will then become a hero for a segment of the population. And then you see Linda Sassoors and the, the others um, uh, rallying behind her that uh, – um, it just ha- you have to draw the line in the sand. You know, you, this is not acceptable. You just raised an important point. I didn't even consider how many mem- how many actual members, not Linda Sarsour, actual members of the U.S. government are in fact sympathetic to her, or would join whatever you want to call it an alliance, or you know some type of camaraderie with her on these issues. I, I would still think it's a real minority, right? They're just it's a, a very small group, a maybe handful, half a dozen right. of people. Some of uh, most new. Who, who got elected this year, who hold these kind of, uh, of views. You know, you have two Muslim women who are elected. Uh, you have uh, others who, who um, certainly were uh, from the extreme left. They, they try to build on what they see as the Bernie Sanders party, although he did not um, support it. But he did come out against the BDS legislation, along with Dianne Feinstein. They do it on the basis of, of free speech, which is, is simply not true. Because this does not limit an individual's ability. This is talking about where, where states, what states uh, engage in, and not what uh, individual citizens do. So the argument, and I, I want to just suggest that people read the um, comments and the uh, brief that the Attorney General Mark uh, Bernovich in Arizona. Uh, filed in, in response in the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals um, because his state enacted a law and they're being sued. And that law simply says that state contractors who receive taxpayer money are not allowed to discriminate on the basis of national origin, mm. and BDS was not protected under freedom of expression. It doesn't say individuals can't. It doesn't, right. I mean, they just missed the whole point of this uh, uh, and the anti-BDS legislation and Hopefully that none of those lawsuits are going to amount to anything. But his brief really sums it up. It, it was really uh, uh, very well done. And he says the First Amendment doesn't leave the state powerless to prevent its commerce from furthering such unsavory, unsavory and frequently murderous ends. And she has the chutzpah to say that they should read the Constitution. And uh, Bernie Sanders and Dianne Feinstein, after Senator Cardin, revamped the legislation in order to meet those objections. So it isn't because of that they're going to oppose any BDS legislation. Understood. Um, President Sisi, does he regret going on 60 Minutes? Well, he certainly said so, and I think they made a mistake in making such a big deal out of it because I don't think that it, it amounted to too much, and it was particularly the part where he talked about his coordination, cooperation with Israel, which we have discussed um, before. Um, you know, you hype it and you merely make it into something that everybody then tuned into, and then, you know, we're surprised by the mildness of the comment. And, you know, but he was more concerned about the domestic reaction to the right. public well, admission. A, a, and what happened? What was the domestic reaction to the cooperation with Israel comment? It seemed to be pretty minimal. Because I mean, then if that's the case, it wasn't really. He didn't get into, go into the great details. It, 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 well, it, I think what got him, and and frankly, I mean, you're right. But I wouldn't blame CBS for this. I blame him and his staff for 
you know, starting the whole procedure of insisting it not be aired. Uh, but I think what what it was was the was when was the um, the statement that it was the most cooperation ever, that it was the highest level of cooperation ever between Israel and Egypt. And I think that's what it was. I think it was the the degree of cooperation that that, that scared them away. But that had been long reported, often reported. You know, the activities in people see the airplanes, Egyptian airplanes and Israeli airplanes. Um, the cooperation in the fight in the Sinai, all of these things. You're right, and that's that's the promise. It was his articulation, and he. But he, then they went on a campaign to try to get CBS to cancel it. And you know, once 60 yeah. Minutes had this interview, they were not going to cancel <laughs> they're, it. They're, they're so all you do is serve to hype it. Now maybe he wanted to build up the audience by doing it, but I doubt that. <laughs> their, their their promo was watch the interview the Egyptian government doesn't want you to see. Right. It's banned in Boston phenomenon. <laughs> exactly. It was really funny actually. Uh all right, we gotta talk about the Bolton trip and the Pompeo trip. Start with Pompeo blaming President Obama for uh, so much of what's uh, developed in terms of uh, uh terrorist activity and terrorist groups in the Middle East. Well, I think the juxtaposition, you know, that he went back to where Obama gave that famous Cairo speech at the beginning of his of his uh, term, in which he uh, laid out principles which many people think did um, characterize the foreign policy, and uh, of course, people are very critical as they are of this administration, of every administration. But uh, what what he was really doing was laying out the principles of what they are going to do, and how that and juxtaposed them to what the Obama administration and trying to undo. and uh, But there are people who would say that, you know, the withdrawal from Syria is more of a, a throwback to that. Uh, and one of the criticisms that is being uh, leveled about the decision, uh, which seems to be moving ahead, according to the latest reports that the Department of Defense is uh, preparing for it. Uh, we don't know what it really means in terms of the air power, et cetera. But I think Pompeo's comments coming right after Bolton's visit to Israel and then to Turkey, where Erdogan refused to meet him and, and attacked his comments uh, in Israel. Uh, specifically, um, uh, he said the message that Bolton gave in Israel, I think he used the word unacceptable, and he said that we're going to take actions to neutralize terrorist organizations in Syria, which means the Kurds. And the, um, uh, and the purpose of Bolton's visit was to talk about the fate of the Syrian Kurdish fighters, so um, uh, I think that um, his promises and his pledges to to support the um, the Kurdish fighters and that they wouldn't withdraw until Iran was out or ISIS was uh, really finished. Well, was that a condition? I mean, would, would would Trump have made the announcement without knowing that uh, Turkey was committed to doing that to protecting the Kurds? Well, I can't tell you because it's still not clear what motivated the president to make it the comments right after his uh, uh, talks with uh, his discussion with Erdogan on the phone uh, and the implementation about the timing. We don't know what air power will be left there. Right, we don't but, know whether they'll substitute. But the reason I ask is if there wasn't a condition or discussed beforehand, it really is unfair to Turkey and to Erdogan to expect that. Well, first of all, it should not be. It should be expected that they're not going to go in and wipe out a domestic population and, and threaten them because they see them as uh, these are the allies of the United States. They fought against ISIS, probably the most effective fighters against ISIS, and um, uh, you know Erdogan has long targeted them. Turkey sees them as a terrorist uh, group, and they have counterparts inside Turkey who have done some terrorist attacks. But the the um, 
I mean, this could, you can't leave them just at the mercy of, of the situation, especially when they've been so friendly and there are no other uh, forces. Right now, the Kurds then turn, turn to the Syrian army, which moved into uh, Banjab and the, uh, the, and the Turks still have a, a tremendous political uh, military power that they can uh, relatively to, to amount against it. Uh, so the U.S. presence was the, the inhibitor, and the question is what, what presence will remain, what, what will we do to, to compensate for a, a physical withdrawal of troops. But we have to remember, uh, and I think that, that, that the dominant thing here is that the president has always been opposed to, to, to American troops uh, abroad um, and vowed to bring them home. And I think that he is looking to fulfill his campaign promises across the board and that this was one of them, and it was an opportunity to to assert that so that he can come back and and run and say, "Look, here's what I promised to do and and here is you know w- what I've actually done uh, so you know ISIS killed twenty three um in eastern in Syria they killed twenty three me- members of the kurdish led Syrian democratic forces just this past week, and you know this this um, they began an offensive, the Kurdish Arab Alliance, uh, in September with 17,000 fighters. So you're not talking about uh, a small group, and they've right. killed over a thousand of the ISIS uh, terrorists in, in that time, or you have to call them militants, I guess. So it's so complicated, and it's it's a very delicate situation when you get sometimes confusing or, or different messages from the administration, which still remains committed. And if you listen to both Bolton and Pompeo's comments, I mean, they, they stick to the principles and the uh, commitment, um, but there are too many forces here that will uh, come into play. There are those who argue that the United States withdrawal will actually benefit Israel because they will give them more leeway, that they will back Israel as the force against the uh, Iranian expansionism. Uh, you know, Russia certainly doesn't want to see Iran become dominant, uh, but is but it has to try to play the game of, of uh, seeing to enforce um, some restrictions on Israel, which continues, as you've seen, its activities in Syria and keeps announcing that they will uh, continue to do so. And the United States made clear that they support Israel's right to defend itself uh, against any of these challenges, meaning also to go into Syria and to to stop the shipments and the transshipments of, of weapons, because the fear amongst many is that the removal of this thing will give, of the American troops, will give the Iranians the ability to expand the transnational highway, you know, the Tehran, uh, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon uh, corridor that they have been trying to establish. Yeah, and we know what that leads to. It leads to the strengthening of the enemy on too many fronts against Israel, frankly. It's exactly right. Uh, Malcolm Holmline invites you to spend Pesach in Puerto Vallarta. Go to uh, PesachInVallarta.com. Malcolm guarantees plenty of food, plenty of drink, and plenty of wonderful discussion about Iran and many other countries all through the week. And in that setting, we can tell them all the real secrets about what what is happening and talk about the election. So anybody who who thought they're getting inside information by listening here, they really need to go with you, Pesach to Vallarta? Is that the story? Well, that helps. (laughs) Phone number for information, 786-290-5919. Please convey Mazal Tov wishes to your entire family and extended family on the Big Bar Mitzvah and have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak to you next week. 
God willing, thank you, and um, we should all have only some achot. Amen. Mazal Tov. Friday morning, JM in the AM. Reminder, coming up right after JM in the AM, Naomi Nachman with a fresh, brand-new edition of Table for Two. She's joined by Razy Freed, star of the popular Instagram page, Razy's Cooking, and by our good friend Gabe Geller from Royal Wines. 10 a.m., the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by wonderful people at Kedem. Coming up at 1 o'clock, the Harry Rothenberg Parsha's Bow video blog. And then, of course, uh, the Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem all the way until candlelighting time. I do remind you, if you enjoyed our conversation today with Malcolm Honline, many of the issues that we brought up, and specifically many of the issues that are emphasized in the Israeli media and among the Israeli people that we may not realize are such hot-button and hot-topic issues in Israel, are all discussed by Mayor Weingarten, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time right after JM and the AM on Monday. You know, Monday you got to start your week with JM and AM, obviously. And then you stick around like so many people do. And you uh, extend your listening experience at least, at least until 10 o'clock. So you can catch everything that Mayor Weingarten has to say about Israel on The Israel Show. Go to Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. And tune in Monday after JM and the AM for more really inside word about what's going on in Israel. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow. Candle lighting at 428 on this Erev Shabbos. Matis Weingast has announced his guest, a guest appearing in his seventh season of JM Sunday. <clears throat> I don't know who would have the nerve to think it was less than that. <laughs> Nassan L. Epstein, the talisman, is going to be Matis' guest this Sunday. Tune in between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern time and enjoy. Matis has been garnering record-breaking audiences on Sunday, no joke, over the last few weeks. Uh, he's hit one of those tipping points where uh, it's just amazing how many people are taking advantage of the fact that we have live programming Sunday morning. So tune in, enjoy the music, enjoy the conversation. In this case, enjoy Matis' guest uh, coming up Sunday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin. And before I introduce Rabbi Yudin, I want to remind everybody, let me just get to the... Uh, let me just get to the page. There is a major, major 50th anniversary celebration coming up. Uh, and we are glad to be a little, little part of it. What did I do with my information? <laughs> Hang on a second, everybody. We'll get it for you. Um, in April of uh, this year, April of 2019, the uh, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, is uh, going to be celebrating. There we go. On Sunday, April the 7th, on Sunday, April the 7th, be there at the Atrium Ballroom in Muncie, New York, as we celebrate Rabbi Benjamin and Chevy Yudin's 50 years of dynamic leadership at Congregation Shomrei Torah and so many other places in the Jewish world, including JM in the AM. 50 total years. It's amazing. An opportunity to place reservations, to participate in the tribute book, to make reservations for the Atrium Ballroom on April the 7th, all online, yudintribute.org. Yudin, Y-U-D-I-N, tribute.org. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. 
Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bo. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Bo contains 20 mitzvos, 9 positive, and 11 restrictions. In reality, with Parshas Bo, we are off and running. Whereas the very first Rashi in the Torah says that given the Torah is our constitution, the Torah should have begun with Parshas Bo, with Perig Yud Beis, chapter 12, where at the very beginning we are taught, HaChodesh Hazel Lochem, that the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh, the mitzvah of Ibor Hashanah, the mitzvah of the Jewish calendar, that this year, for example, is a leap year. There are two Adar, and that's because our months are lunar months, and the year of the Jewish year is to be solar as well, meaning that the mitzvah of Pesach is to be observed annually in the springtime. And in order to so do, the rabbis had to arrange the calendar in such a way that seven out of 19 years are going to be leap years because the lunar calendar, the lunar year, is 11 days shorter than the solar. And if we would not adjust with a leap year, after seven years, we'd be 77 days behind. And after eight years, 88. And so Pesach would no longer be in the spring. Pesach would be in the winter in any of the seasons. And therefore, Hayomach Temyotzim, as the Torah says at the end of today's parasha, that we are leaving the Chodesh Aviv, and the Torah wanted us to make sure that annually Pesach is observed in the springtime. So therefore, the very first mitzvah in this week's parasha is that of the Jewish calendar, and indeed Rashi says the Torah should have begun with that. So we should ever remind ourselves that the book of Bereshis, number one, is to teach us Derech Eretz, Kodmala Torah, refining our character, as we learn from the Avos and the uh, con- uh, actions of Yosef HaTzadik, is to prepare us to be a mensch in order to receive the Torah. That's number one. And secondly, it is our deed to Eretz Yisrael, as we've pointed out so many times, and the first Rashi in the Torah points out as well. Within Parshas Bo, we have the actual Yitzias Mitzrayim, Bayom Hazeh, Be'etzem Bayom Hazeh, on this very day. And I'd like to focus on one mitzvah which is found at the end of the parsha, and that is the Torah introduces us to the mitzvah of tefillin. And let's understand the parsha of tefillin, which means that the Torah uh, teaches us regarding this mitzvah of tefillin, is found four times in the Torah. The last two paragraphs of Parsha's bow, Kadishli Kolbachor and Bhoyo Kiviyacha are the first two of the Parshios paragraphs in the Torah that contain the mitzvah of Tfilin, and we find both the first paragraph of the Shema 
and the second, both of whom as well contain the mitzvah of tefillin. So there are four parashios, four different paragraphs in the Torah which contain the mitzvah. And indeed, let's remind ourselves that the tefillin of the hand has the four parashios written on one long parasha. Um, on one long piece of parchment, and the mitzvah of the tefillin, Shebarosh, the head tefillin, contains four compartments, and in each of these four compartments is one of the four parshios of the tefillin. I'd like to focus on chapter 13, Pasuk 9. We are right after the Torah says, that we know on the night of Yetzias Mitzrayim, the Torah says, you are to tell your son, tell your children, and we know that it's done in a lengthy fashion at the Pesach Seder. Bavur The Torah says, and we continue this idea of the reminder of our leaving Egypt, not just ba'avur zeh, with the matzah and the maror, and when we were privileged to have and will have again the Korban Pesach, but the Torah continues, os al this shall be to you as a sign on your hand, ulezikaron, and a remembrance, between your eyes, lemantia Torah Hashem beficha, literally, that Hashem's Torah may be in your mouth. Why? Kibiyot chazaka hotziachah Hashem imitzrayim, for with a strong hand, Hashem removed you from Egypt. So, my question is, and I would be honored, if you brought a chumash to the table, once again, this is chapter 13, Pasuk 9, and ask yourself what that third phrase, there are indeed four phrases to the verse. What the third phrase of, in order that Hashem's Torah shall be in your mouth, what it really is that doing to the verse. The first phrase, it shall be a sign on your hand, and it shall be a uh, remembrance between your eyes. That's the tefillin of the hand and tefillin of the rosh. The end of the verse, for Hashem took you out with a strong hand, good, is you can say the reason the Torah is given, giving for the mitzvah of tefillin, namely that when we put on our tefillin, we are to recall his deliverance from Egypt. And therefore, in the Shulchan Aruch, in Simon Chafhei 25, the Machaber writes that a person should have kavana when he puts on his tefillin that Hashem commanded us to put these four paragraphs, which have yichud shemo, which have literally the oneness of his essence, 
monotheism, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, the oneness of God, and Vietzias Mitzrayim, and the Exodus, that the Exodus is an integral part of its of Tfilin, and really there's to be this association. And in fact, the Bach writes that indeed there are three mitzvos in the Torah, that the Torah as much as tells us why we are doing this, namely the mitzvah of Tzitzis, as found earlier in Simon Ches, in Shulchan Aruch, in chapter 8. And the Torah says, you are to put on the Tzitzis, Lema'an, in order that you shall remember all the mitzvos of the Torah. Here, the Torah says, It shall be a sign. What shall be a sign? That tefillin is to remind us of Yitzias Mitzrayim. So each and every day, when we put on our tefillin, ideally, this is what we are to keep in mind, that Hashem literally, as He was involved in each and every one of our lives personally in Egypt. Remember, an Egyptian and a Jew went to the same Nile River. They each had a bucket in their hand. The Egyptian took out a bucket of blood, and the Jew from the very same river took out a bucket of water. God performed a personal miracle for each and every Jew. His hashkocha pratis, his personal divine involvement, right, in the life of each and every Jew, as was demonstrated then in Mitzrayim, this is what we are reminded every single day when we put on our tefillin that as he was then, so he is most intimately involved in each and every aspect of our life. What is that phrase, the mantia, Torah Hashem Beficha, in order that Hashem's Torah shall be? in your mouth, so that it says literally that the purpose of tefillin is a kind of mini exposure to Torah. Ideally, we could, should be, kaman v'hagisabo yomam v'layla. Not everyone has that opportunity, that luxury to being involved with Torah all day. So, the Torah, which is contained in the tefillin, is our daily uh, reminder of the strong purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Moshe is told at the burning bush, os, this is the sign that I am taking you out of Egypt, that when you take the people out of Egypt, you'll serve and worship God on this mountain. The purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, which is tefillin, was to come to Har Sinai and get the Torah. And therefore, not only do we learn, as the Gemara in Shabbos 108 teaches, that Torah Sashem Beficha means Mutar Beficha, that you can only make tefillin from the skin of a kosher animal, but much more important, reminding us that Torah is to be in our mouths. When I meet somebody, and how are you? Okay, fine, Baruch Hashem, what's new? And they say to me, nothing, 
I feel so sorry. How could it be that nothing is new? Each and every day, ideally, the Jew is excitedly troubled. This pasuk I don't understand. This halacha I need to understand more. And so the Torah is telling us that ideally, what shall be in our minds when we see each other, when we greet each other, it should be with an exchange of Torah. Ideally, the greatest bracha I can give is that you catch your children talking Torah to each other. And this is what we say every day in the Shema, in the second paragraph, teach Torah to your children, that they should speak Torah one to another. And therefore, tonight, the Shabbos table is going to be set beautifully. And after all, we are waiting for that very special, right, Shabbos guest. Okay, literally, Hashem himself comes to our Shabbos table. It's not the time and place to talk politics. Do we need a wall? Do we not need a wall? That should not be the focus of our uh, conversation at Shabbos table, nor shul politics. But what should be at our table is that the same way the table is set, so too there are zmiros on the table benchers so that we can sing different miros at the Shabbos table, that we can recite Birkas HaMazon. Similarly, there should be that Sefer at the Shabbos table in any language, whatever is going to motivate the people. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That we're able to, Baruch Hashem, grow in our Torah and using the Shabbos experience, as the Yushalmi says, that the all during the week, when too often we are distracted and have to make that living, Shabbos is that day that we can Baruch Hashem fulfill the Mantia Torah Hashem Beficha. Parsha's bow with its 20 mitzvos helps us maintain and aspire to just that God's Torah in our mouth. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow. Candle lighting at 428, <laughs> despite the objections of some people out there who wanted to drop later. But I think I explained it. Public candle lighting announcements, uh, I believe, should be a drop earlier than standard ones. Call me crazy. Uh, Jam name at a quarter before 9 o'clock on this Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Um... Mazel Tov going out to uh, Yonah and all the Sabans celebrating the big bar mitzvah in Israel this Shabbat. Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov going out to uh, Yossi Sher on his bar mitzvah this week. Mazel Tov to Yossi Sher. Mazel Tov to our uh, good friend and neighbor Nachum Goldman. And, of course, to Edie and Rabdavid Goldman, the big offer of his Shabbos. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM&AM. The Lower East Side of Manhattan is going to be celebrating. The uh, wonderful occasion, Mazal Tov, Nachum Goldman from all of us here at JM in the AM. Coming up at 9 o'clock, table for two with Naomi Nachman. Razy Freed from Razy's Cooking on Instagram is going to join her. Gabe Geller from Royal Wines will be there. Erev Shabbat Show with Mark Zomik brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. 1 p.m. for the uh, Harry Rothenberg video blog and Parsha's Bow. Um, Erev Shabbat's Music Mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. No excuse not to listen all day long. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday morning, it's uh, JM Sunday with Matis. He has the Talis Man as his special guest. Tune in between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday with Matis on JM Sunday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Monday morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m. And as I've been telling you, if you want to hear a lot more about what's happening in Israel and the Jewish world, especially the issues that are really pressing in Israel itself, 
Tune into the Israel. Hence the name, the Israel Show. Um, with Mayor Weingarten, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday, right after JM and the AM. You will find it fascinating. That I can tell you. More coming up Friday, Erev Shabbos. It's JM and the AM.
with Ohad. Great brand new song. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Bo, Candlelighting in New York, 428, getting ready for an amazing weekend, I hope, for everybody out there. A little bit of a cold one here in the New York area, and I hope you're getting ready for a wonderful Shabbos as well here in the New York area and beyond. Wishing everybody around the world a fantastic Shabbos. As we say, it's time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
gonna spend a day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning. Songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. There we go. (laughs) Oh boy, even at the last minute... (laughs) Even during the last minute of the week. Can't avoid a, a technical glitch on my part. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget you can support and uh, support us and sponsor part or all of a JMNAM broadcast by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank you. Coming up, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman is next with Razy Freed of Razy's Cooking and Gabe Geller of Royal Wines. Erev Shabbos Show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Mark Zamek hosts starting at 10 a.m. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night at 9 with Avrami. J.M. Sunday Matis with special guest, the Talisman, between 7 and 9 a.m. Sunday morning. 
That's live right here at the Nachum Segal Network. Enjoy. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.